Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray. And make no mistake, this is your source for all things black and gold. Football just wouldn't be football without Berwick Rangers. Stand by for this edition of the Let It BRFC podcast. Hello and welcome to the Let BRC podcast. I'm Adam Hunter and I'm joined again by former Berwick Rangers forward and current assistant manager Kevin Haynes. How are you, Kevin? I'm going to have to watch how I answer this because Jano phoned me last, he was listening to the show last week and he says to me, phone, stop the show, phone me and he says, any chance you had answering Adam better than just I am all right, Adam, how are you? So <laughs> I, need, I need to watch what I'm doing, he was having a moan at me. But I'm fine, I am fine, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks, you know. At least I got more than the three words, like. <laughs> no, I, that's, that's what he was saying. So he just likes a moan. If he's no more than a player, he's more than me. So just got to take it. How's your week been? Same as last week, and same as the four weeks prior to that. Um, <laughs> I'm getting bored now, Adam. Just getting bored. I just want to get back to normality. And if I can get back to work, that would be a start. And then hopefully the, the football can, can kick in at some point. But. It is what it is, you just need to put money about it and we're, we're all safe, so no, how are you? Good, uh, I've been working this week, so been busy with that, uh, and I interviewed six of the players too, which is good. Uh, I was uh, to Kevin last night, he speaks well, eh? Uh-huh, really well. I f- found it really funny how he was saying, like when I asked him, would you rather play centre-half or left-back? And he goes, neither. very. He's very sure of what he thinks and what he says. He's very confident, mm-hmm. you know, what he thinks is right. So, it's good. Yeah, and it was the free kicks as well. I was like, oh, you must practice them all the time, do you? He's like, nah, never. <laughs> I'm, go- I'm going to say that he does. He's always there kicking free kicks, that, isn't he? All the time. All the time. There's a group of them at the end of training trying to practice and that, like, yeah. Uh, the, the Frisbee club are trying to come on to training and they can't get on because... Kev was taking three kicks. <laughs> <laughs> so also on the show, we've got current associate director and chairman of the Sporters Trust, Andrew Allen. How's it going, Andrew? Very well, thanks, Adam. How's, how's yourself, mate? Yeah, I am very well, thanks. Um, good, good. <laughs> in terms of, of your responsibilities, there's quite a lot involved in your two titles. Do you want to talk to a bit about that? <laughs> Seems to be, but... Uh... I spent spent my life working working in a bank, Adam. So I'm an arts delegator. So uh, <laughs> you'd be surprised how little I actually have to do. But uh, sloppy shoulders. But uh, no, it's it's really good to be involved in in both ways. As you as you probably know, I started in the supporters trust, going going under twenties matches, watching the laddie playing, and uh, got to meet uh, Michael Smythe, who was his end chairman. Uh, so he got me involved in the trust. And then just being around the club uh, has to be involved in the on the board as well. So, yeah, it's it, it's really good wearing two hats because uh, <clears throat> just having that ability to 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 connect with fans and supporters and really some of that back is is really good. In fact, it's a it's a space. There's a, a lot of chat about really positive conversation on the board about how we can do better in that that space. You know, between ourselves and 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 Brian's guys in the supporters club too. So. 
it's a good mix. Uh, I'm really enjoying it, Adam. It's it's fantastic. Really good. Yeah. Do the rest of the, the, rest of the board members know that you wear t-shirts like that one? <laughs> That's actually I can exclusively reveal. You know that you know our deal with border border embroidery. That's a new director outfit, mate. You watch it. Uh, you watch for it. <laughs> the tile. Smart casual. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's a beer glass. We're all teasing. We're awake at announcement, so Andrew Allen's sitting wearing it. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to give too much away, Adam. But uh, you know, joking apart, that's that's massively exciting. I'm just kind of kind of wait for that uh, that that launch. That's going to be absolutely awesome, mate. Uh, so you mentioned about your laddie before. Um, was that your your introduction to the club? Was it? It was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, Stuart, Stuart was we. What to try and take him to the football? He was, and this is he was only eight or nine years old. So, uh, do we go to Hearts and Hibs or whatever? Nah, we'll, we'll pop down to Berwick, and uh, that's that's how it started. Season season ticket holders, quite quite bizarrely, it was a kind of social media thing that he got he got involved in, whereby uh, they were they were looking for a, a another another keeper for the twenties, and Stuart was following him on Twitter, and uh, oh, John with the ex sex goalie goalie coach, uh, he got in touch and said. Do you want to ask him to come along, see see what he's like? Because I knew he played locally at Dunbar, uh, and that that's how he started. And obviously, we we went from season ticket holders to <laughs> to, to to watch the twenties uh, developing around the around the country. So it was great days actually. I really enjoyed that. And that, that's when I kind of realised just what a great club Berwick Rangers are. are so so welcoming, Adam. Just uh, t- terrific terrific people, and uh, you know the fans are, are are fantastic as well. So yeah, that's how it that's how it started. You played in goal as well, didn't you? Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I had the, I had the, I had the honour of playing with Mister Coughlin actually at uh, Salvation Boys Club under under 18s. Also, another another wee connection played under another Berwick legend, uh, Gordon Hague at, uh, at Haddington. And uh, Kevil Kevil relate to this, I'm sure. Hagee hated goalkeepers with a passion. And I mean, I mean, uh, one one of Hagee's inspirational talks was. Uh, Effing goalkeepers. If I could field a team without any of you effing lazy bastards, I would. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's not a coaching thing that you've ever, ever recognised, Kev Darn, is that? Uh, <laughs> goalke- you love goalkeepers, eh? I, I think all goalkeepers are mad, to tell you the truth, Well, They're meant to be mad like me, but... <laughs> I know the full Sean. I know the full Sean. Brilliant. Did somebody, sense, not, that, did somebody not say that goalkeepers were goalkeepers because they couldn't play football, so... <laughs> yeah. In my case, <laughs> in my case, absolutely, Kev. <laughs> Still better than choosing rugby, though. To be fair. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> What's the main differences you've seen since getting involved, Andrew? I think the main difference is uh, you know, the club has got has got so much in terms of unique selling point and that great thing that everybody talks about in, in business. <clears throat> and the difference I've seen really is that is, you know everybody wanted previous board supporters we all want to maximize the value of that unique selling point of being an English based club playing in the playing in the Scottish Scottish League. And it was always it was always a kind of latent value. It was never really maximized. And the big difference I'm seeing now with this board of directors, just this you know, we've got business leaders, business owners, people with different skills and you're coming together, we're able to do a lot more now in the, in the as you know, Adam, in the social media space. Uh, so that that's the difference now. I think we're we're there was always people that loved our brand, loved the club. Uh, we're now doing more to reach out to these folk and jings. They, so many people are actually coming to us now. 
without, uh, without us doing too much, you know, there's, I, you, you'll know this, I, I was blown away with the fact we've got, was it, across all our social media streams, is it 20,000 followers? It's just mind-boggling, absolutely fantastic. So that's the, that's the big change really for, for me, is just how, how much more diverse the skills are and, and how much better we are at uh, doing great things for the club, I, I think. And it's no, no detriment to previous boards. Everybody were, was volunteers over the years and, and did the best they can. But I see quite a good mix this time, and that's, uh, that's the difference I see. Is that exactly. the, the only difference that you, like you see, Andrew, obviously you've been on two boards this season. Yeah, <laughs> that's unique. Well, that's well, well, it is, it is, it's unique, but um, what, is, what is the difference? Is it, just the, is it just the people or the amount of people or the different skill sets that these people have? Is that the, is that the main difference? Well, there's, there's no doubt that the amount is is critical. It sounds really daft, you know. The, the more the more pairs of hands, simply that is is hugely important. Uh, oddly, Kevin, you know, the, the coronavirus impact is 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 far far ranging, and, and there are still small advantages, shall we say? And, and the, the the difference, or one of the main differences, the the, the collaboration in the board is phenomenal because we we have a. a piece of sharing software that, that Adam will know about where you can go and instant message, share documents, have, have virtual discussions and obviously we're, we're zooming quite a lot as well. So the previous board or boards, and I don't think it's unique to Berwick, I think other, other boards, whether it's football clubs or companies, uh, boards don't tend to talk that often. We've got the arranged meeting which will be a month or every two months or something, but the, the conversations and chat and, and Banner is is <laughs> fairly constant, so it's a it, it's really good. So it's the numbers, it's the the kind of electronic collaboration that we're doing. But yeah, the the, the skill sets and the, and the reach of the uh, the new directors. We've got directors who are based pretty well over all over the country, and people with fantastic stakeholder networks. They're reaching out. I mean, the the Derek Ray coming, uh, Derek uh, Ray coming on board is just absolutely. Fantastic, you know, and, that, and that's through that network that, that the new guys bring, you know. What's the main differences you've seen in the trust during that time, Andrew? To be honest, I think that, that we, we, we've stayed fairly, fairly constant in terms of what our, what our activities are. Clearly, in the last, last few weeks, it's been rather, rather different. I mean, we, we've been Zooming as well in, in terms of trust board meetings, so it's still just the general fundraising thing. Uh, but what I, what I can't, and, and really, in fact, I, I'm delighted to say that... Uh, the, the, the change and hopefully but Brian will agree is the, is the conversation between the, the, the supporters trust and the supporters club uh, is just so so positive you know it's uh, we are chatting a lot and uh, and there's a real commonality you know I used that that kind of phrase earlier about the the voice the voice of the supporter I think uh, I think there'll be more more things happening in, in that space between supporters club and supporters trust to be making sure that the that the supporters are even more engaged than they are just now. I'd like to think the supporters feel feel wanted and loved already as much as we can during lockdown. But uh, I would like to think there'll be more of that. I don't know what you what you think, Brian. Yeah, I totally agree. I think um, yeah, especially in the past few months, I think um, working together is you know working together has sort of come to the fore. Um, and as you said, because it's done electronically, previously mm. you would maybe only see see each other on match days and things like that and it would be maybe the odd passing conversation and stuff whereas now you can you know there can be whatsapp groups the zoom calls the, you know we've been talking around different things around the stadium and stuff like that and i think as well a lot of the times and 
a lot of the times in the past when there's almost where you know when there's silence and there's nothing much going on um mm. rumors and um, perceived disagreements can sometimes fill the air and fill the 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 vacuum um and because everybody's speaking more regularly now and um, basically being brought on by technology i think uh, you know and i think it's been a positive and that kind of sort of perception of a divide between the two is thankfully mm. i think will start to disappear because really really there hasn't been much disagreement between the two organizations in the past it's more of a perception i think that um yeah sometimes it's seen and maybe disagreements between one or two people have been blown up into disagreements between a couple of hundred people against a couple of hundred people when that hasn't really been the case yeah absolutely yeah so yeah all, all, all good adam yeah it's uh all heading together in the right direction. I've heard it, heard it said so many times, but uh, but I, I really feel that it's uh, it's really really positive. So as I said at the the start of it, it's quite a lot that's entailed with doing them two jobs. And I know you and I spoke at one of the games earlier this season um, about whether you'd continue to do both. Uh, and you put it to mm. a vote at a trust meeting, uh, and they were happy for you to, to continue. Is that still the case? Are you, are you still looking to do both? <laughs> oh, it's it's really interesting you mentioned that, Adam. I didn't make a, a big thing about that, you know. But when I when I was first to, to asked to go on the board, I you know, I just felt some <laughs> might think there's a, a conflict of interest out there. So me being me at the at the, at the trustee GM, I said, look, uh, I'm quite happy to step down because uh, you know, folks might not think it's a, it's it's a good thing or a healthy thing to have uh, mm. trust chairman also being on the on the club board. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, kind of humble to say there it was unanimously wanted me to, to, to carry on. I personally don't think anybody else fancied it, but that's just the <laughs> <laughs> Why, Andrew, why would, why did you think that the board of the trust would not want you on that, the board of directors? Because surely the goal is the same. You know, the, the trust goal is to support the club, which is the ultimate, is the ultimate goal. So why would you, mm. why would you, why did you feel that they wouldn't want you in that role? <clears throat> it's interesting. Again, it, it wasn't so much the, 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 the the trust board, I, I was, they're, they're great people and we got, we got on great. So I, I, it, it wasn't so much the board, it was actually asking the board the question about, because I, when I'm, I'm chairman of a, of a supporters group, you know, it's, it's not about me, it's about supporters. And I care deeply about what supporters think of me and what the trust do and, and want to make sure we're doing the right thing. So at, at that time, Kev, it was, it was quite a difficult time at the club when there was a lot of static flying about in social media. Uh, and it, it made me a wee bit uncomfortable. I didn't really want to generate any more static. Uh, so I just wanted to just ask the question to make sure it wasn't seen. Oh, there's, there's, there's Big Beardy doing two jobs now. He's just crashing on ahead. Uh, but I, I didn't want to do that. So uh, that's why I asked the question, just to, to make sure, just do that sense check that uh, it was the right thing. You know? Yeah. And I've, obviously what's happened with the, the two boards, you, you stepped down for, for a short amount of time. I was, I was really... Sad to say that. Um, something that John Bell said when you first went into the post as um, associate director was around your infectious enthusiasm um, <laughs> for the club. But it's true. Um, there was two lads in the black and gold once um, when you were working on the door. And they were from Southampton. And I was outside talking to you and I got talking to them inside. Um, and I'd said, there's two lads that's from Southampton. They've come for the game because they're playing Newcastle tomorrow. And you're like, oh bring them in and he took them for a full tour around the ground and that's the little <laughs> things that'll stay with them sort of forever and it's it's something that you arrange sort of within a couple of minutes yeah 
Yeah, I think the club that d- d- does that. Adam. I mean, it's it's always been that kind of wel- welcoming face, and uh, I love doing that. I must admit, the, 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 doing the uh, uh, doing the doing the doorman thing was it was great. Just meeting and meeting and chatting to uh, chatting to people. But uh, I just say, I think it's the the club the club do that. It's it's not just me. I think we've got a very welcoming uh, very welcoming attitude, particularly to visitors. You know, I think that's the kind of thing that Berwick's always had over the years. Um, from people like P, Robert Johnson, um, other people that have been involved in the club, um, you know, there's always been a welcoming, a welcoming attitude, um, and you know, um, despite the, you know, sometimes the stadium can look dated and things like that. It's for people in the town, you know, it's the main sort of focus for football and to for kids to be going. I remember what it was like when I first went to Shieldfield and things like that. For kids to see a football stadium for the first time, and I mean, we're quite far from other you know, premiership grounds and stuff like that and just getting a tour around and seeing changing rooms and, and things like that. It can be, a, you know, quite quite good for kids and for people that are doing ground hopping and travelling around and stuff. Um, Andrew yeah, mentioned yeah, before the club being sort of in a, a unique position, quite famous for, you know, being the only English club based in Scotland and you get a lot of people coming up from London and some of the um, southern counties and things like that coming to Berwick and, the, you know, they're always enthused to see the place. Uh, I've helped a little bit on the uh, the club shop and stuff recently, and it's amazing when you see all the orders coming in, and they're from the basically like probably seventy percent, seventy five percent of the orders are from you know down south and from people that have visited Berwick in the past and live in America and stuff like that. Whereas you could imagine in a lot of the the other clubs around Scotland and things, it would be more localized the fan base. Um, so I think Berwick Rangers sort of you know they leave that lasting impression on on fans that um, that visit. Yeah, I think I, I, an interest you mentioned. You mentioned Robert. Actually, I just think he's such a great guy. I, I don't know Robert that well. Obviously, I met him a few times, but as a as an ambassador, a door ambassador, I just couldn't be anybody better. He's a such a lovely, engaging guy. I mean, just a, a very quick aside. One of the one of the folks that I I met was uh, was a, a visiting fan from from uh, Leighton Orient, and uh, he he came up. He he and his partner came up to to visit Berwick specifically, obviously, uh, because they were found in the same year as Berwick. And it was just great that chatting to him about because Orient fell out of the league and they they recovered and came back in. It was just so nice that he said it was almost like an arm round the shoulder. Don't worry, you'll be back. <laughs> you know, just great, great story. You know? He has hope in anywhere. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the trust recently made a, a donation to the eighteen eighty one fund um, that I saw online. Yeah, yeah. I, again, it was just it's it's a question of timing, you know. We we we're we're very careful with our with our, uh, our members' money, and we we want to make sure we're investing in in the right way. I mean, <laughs> we, I think I, I maybe mentioned before we've invested over a hundred grand over the over the period of time from the brilliant people who have been the trust. You know, long before me, I'm just a, ten, a new temporary custodian. People doing amazing stuff. A hundred grand's a huge amount of money, you know. From, Players, players rent to football boot insoles and uh, and floodlight bulbs. You know that's that's uh, that's the sort of thing we're, we're into. So it was the right time we, we talked about it, that we we, we felt that uh, we just wanted to do the best possible for the club for for our fans to to put what we could in Iano's playing budget. So uh, we're just chuffed chuffed to do that to, to help in any sport. It was really yeah, we felt good about that. Adam, was the donation to a local club as part of that too? Uh, yeah, again, this is just obviously we're we're Rangers supporters trust, but we're, we're obviously interested in supporters for for all clubs. And yeah, there was a donation to 
uh, one of the wee borders clubs who'd, who'd lost their pitch through flooding. So yeah, we made a wee donation, donation down there as well. Is that hike? It was, yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, the park was really bad, wasn't it? It was, it was, I, was it no under, like we were in the park, was it no under two foot of water or something like that? Yeah, yeah, I think they were, they were talking about starting a water polo team, I think, at one point. Hoik <laughs> <laughs> really struggle with things like vandalism and stuff like that. You see quite regularly, um, them looking for like still shots of people that have broken at their clubhouse and things like that. With it being like, a, a, a rugby town as well, I think sometimes that there's not much love for the football in that town. I'm not saying that the town's gone out and vandalising the place or anything like that, but you know they, they, they really struggle with people to keep the club running and stuff. Um, um, there was something on the view for the for the terrace about them recently, which was, you know, it was it was quite good as well. Um, just showing the the, the stalwarts that had been there um, over the years in this um, rugby town, but they've still clung on to keeping the football club going and stuff like that. It's an interesting dynamic too, because we, we did the uh, the Christmas the Christmas market stall uh, for the trust just uh, last last winter, and uh, we're kind of chatting to people walking by, just asking if they're interested in the, in the club, wanting to buy bits and bobs. And I reckon about 50% of the people we talked to were actually more rugby people than football, which absolutely staggered me. But again, that's the challenge that we, that we still have to win over more hearts and minds that, uh, that, that, that we offer a, a more interesting, varied and wider kind of fan experience perhaps. But that, that, that was something that surprised me a wee bit. The rugby club have done really well over the years. They've got a more localised structure and they're, they're really well run and it's been quite consistent. It hasn't been as volatile as the football uh, club, really. Um, so, you know, then they've got, they have got good people um, working there. They've been spot on with fundraising and things like that. And because so many juniors from the town go through the system, uh, they have got a lot of goodwill. And obviously they've got their, their rugby club um, is good for functions and things like that. So, that you know, they're, they're really set up well out at a scrimmage. I'd like to think it'll be competitive. It'll be do both, you know? Yeah, definitely. So, second guess we've heard from a little bit already. Um, he's currently secretary of the Sporters Club. It's Brian Parkin. Hi, Brian. Hi, Adam. How are you? I'm not bad, eh? Um, you know, quite glad to, to not be working today. I'm working from home, so... Uh, I'm probably as busy in my line of work as I've been for probably the past year. Um, I work as a housing officer, so I'm giving out a lot of benefits, advice, and helping people with universal credit and things like that. So it's been um, it's been a bit of a struggle in the past month or so, starting to quieten down a bit now that people know what's what's happening. But um, yeah, I've been really busy, so I'm still um, people people are talking about every day being the same, but I'm still hanging out for the weekends and Easter holidays and bank holidays <laughs> and things like that. So. What does being the supporters club secretary actually mean? Really, it's it's, it's really just supporting the the, the two main guys, um, Matty Moore, who's the chair, and um, Martin Ingalls, who's done a lot of work for this new monthly draw. He's the vice chair, um, so as I sort of like as the the secretary, I'm taking a bit of a load off them. I'm, I'm typing up the minutes, um, putting together the agenda. So sort I of helping them with little bits and pieces. Um, obviously, we've got Malcolm Reed, who's the treasurer as well, who does does his part. So yeah, it's it, it, it's helping to write letters and and put put things together um, that way really. Um, and obviously taking the notes at the meetings and things, trying not to um, you know get too involved in the conversations while I'm you know forgetting to write notes and things like that. Um, just just what a usual secretary would would do really. Um, I'll give my opinion. 
when I think um, it's important. But yeah, Matty and um, Martin do the main sort of shifting of the loads, whereas I sort of back them up with uh, with the notes and things like that. So. And you mentioned the supporters club draw there. I saw on Facebook this week the supporters club did their first actual draw. Martin Ingalls yep. presented it, and you were there. How was that? <laughs> I said two words in the whole thing. I think it was to, uh, it was just to show that um, there was somebody else watching the draw take place. To be honest, um, I, I didn't think I would just pop in for two little <laughs> two little sections to say two different words. So I've had a few few people um, taking the piss out of us since then. Rightfully so. <laughs> I had a big beard at that point as well, so I looked like I'd just been dragged out of a hedge backwards or something, but um, I've tightened myself up since then. I had a look through the comments and one of them was commending <laughs> you for your acting skills. <laughs> yeah, I lack a bit of charisma, to be honest. So, um, I thought it was good. <laughs> but no, um, the draw has been going really well. Um, we probably um, exceeded the expectations on it at first because... Going across from what was quite a successful weekly scheme that had ran for you know decades, Conrad had done an amazing job, um, but it was more based on Conrad going around from you know to the, the different employers in the town. So when uh, Pringles of Scotland was was running and just rolling things, there would be large um, you know um, groups of people at them places that would take part in the draw. And um, so unfortunately, over the past few years, when um, some of them big sort of businesses have, have closed down and just a different way of working and stuff. The the income for the weekly draw has sort of gradually um, tailed off. And obviously the performance of the football team as well has had an impact on that. There's, there hadn't been much going on in the way of success. And, you know, it, it started to get, um, you know, it started to dwindle a little bit and it wasn't really online based. So um, despite all the good work that had been going on and it was still, it was still fairly successful in raising money for the football club, but we felt it needed to um, sort of be brought a little bit into the 21st century. So it was Martin's um, idea, really. And um, so he's done a lot of the legwork on it. And we we knew there would be sort of like a little dip in the donations um, with the with the changeover from the old weekly scheme to the new monthly draw. But um, to be honest, it's not been as bad as as what we were expecting. We almost sort of thought at first it might make a little bit of a loss at first. And then when people started seeing that, people were winning a thousand pounds and supporting the football club and them kind of things were happening that then we would start to build up um, more members. Um, but to, to be hitting over 350 members already, you know, um, sort of well, a month and a half since, uh, since everything started, we've already got a, a, a monthly winner um, and we've had a few people join since then as well. And that's been really positive. And I think um, it's only got potential to grow um, you know it, it, it's the kind of draw that will bring people in from the town who maybe don't even have an interest in the uh, football club but you know they know they can win a thousand pounds and it all goes in to helping at the end of the day so, and, and that's what we're for we're, we're about fundraising so that Kevin and Yano and can go away and you know offer a better uh, terms to players and you know um, and the work around the club is you know we've got money to be able to go and do that so yeah many many members you're looking at attract for the draw well, I, yeah, I think the overall target was like if we could get to 500, that would be brilliant. Um, but we didn't expect to be at 350 at this stage. So, um, you know, we did think we would see a little bit of a boost as people started to see winners. We were hoping without this coronavirus going on, we were hoping that we would be able to go and like, you know, sort of publicise the winners a bit more, hand over a cheque, things like that. Um, you know, make a bit bigger, bigger deal about the winners and the prizes and things like that. But 
even um, despite not being able to do that, um, we've still been fairly successful so far. So yeah, and we, there's also the charity aspect to it as well, which has brought a lot of people in. So um, two local charities um, in the last month got, um, I think it was like £175, roughly, roughly each. Uh, the um, Northern Soul Kitchen, which were on the front of the shirts a few years ago, and the Berwick Community Trust as well. So each month there'll be a, a donation to charity, £250. So, um, you know, that'll, you know, hopefully that'll bring people in as well, as well as supporting um, groups in the community. So, um, no, we're, we're, we're quite chuffed Take with the, the charity so far. The, ta- the charities will change every month, will they? Yeah, yeah, I think so. So we've we've asked um, we've asked for people, the different charities in the town, to come forward and uh, yep. So each month, um, local local charities and good good causes as well. So you might have schools that are looking, you know, to do specific projects and things like that. Um, that we're we're hoping and um, will come forward. So yeah, it's quite quite positive. And a lot of people that's joined have have said that the charity aspect of it has um, sort of persuaded them to to get other people involved, stuff like that as well. So very good. How do you get involved in following Berwick? Um, well, just being from the town, really. Um, I, um, I, I remember my first game. I, I don't know who it was against, um, but it was in the early 90s. I remember standing in the away end of the ducket when the fence was up um, with my dad. And I, the only thing I really remember about it was the black and gold strips and somebody was wearing a headband. So, you know, <laughs> if anybody's out there who can remember who used to wear a headband for Berwick Rangers in the early 90s, um, you know, let us know. But uh, that was my first game. Um, <laughs> uh, the first game that I remember. Um, and then um, I was a mascot for for Berwick when Berwick played Newcastle in 1993. Kevin Keegan brought um, the team up. They'd just been promoted to the Premier League. So I was the Berwick mascot. And um, Andy Cole, Peter Beardsley, um, people like that were there. And obviously, you know, being the mascot, you got to sit upstairs. I got to go to the away dressing room, shake hands with Peter Beardsley. And, you know, um, Nicky Papavasilou and all the players that Newcastle had signed for the Premiership season, and um, things like that. And I, I, you know, with being interested in football, uh, I started to go to watch Berwick more and more regularly with my dad from there, and then eventually with with my friends. So, so the first Berwick team I remember was um, under Tom Hendry with Warren Hawke and um, people like that, Willie Irvin. Um, really good team. We finished second in the league one season. Um, when there was league reconstruction back then as well, you know, we um, Warren Hawke was a full-time player for Berwick. You know, it was when I was at school, we we had like coaching sessions with him um, at the the sports centre and things because obviously because he was full-time, he was doing bits and pieces in the community and stuff like that as well. So you become more involved with Berwick Rangers that way, and also went to coaching with Eric Tate as well. He ran a coaching class on a Friday afternoon after school as well. So yeah, just just you know, loving football and being your local team. The, probably the first main game I remember was where we um, played Greenock Morton. Greenock Morton had a really good team, a uh, couple of Finnish players. And Warren Hawke was still with Berwick at the time and he scored a hat-trick um, in that game. We got beat 4-3, but it was a tremendous game. It was back and forth. You know, it was like, at the time, you know, I was interested in Newcastle and supporting Newcastle as well. And Newcastle were like the entertainers at the time. And it was the first time I'd went to watch Berwick and saw that kind of football, you know, the back and forth. And it just, I remember we used to play football in the street and stuff. And it, I used to always want, want to be Andy Cole or Peter Beardsley or whatever. But then that night we went home and me and my mates was being Berwick players and things like that. So, yeah, <laughs> so it was pretty sad. But that was, uh, you know, we were like, what, 10, 11 year olds back then. So, yeah, and I was, you know, started going, you know, week in, week out, really. Just 
sometimes I wouldn't be paying much attention to the games. I was there with my mates and we would be pissing about and knocking about with each other and things like that. And some of the other games I remember going to, we, I went to Meadowbank when they were still existing. Um, my dad took me up there and there was always a quite a good atmosphere between the two sets of supporters, um, probably mid-90s, 94, 95 time. Yeah, so that, that's how I got in, into supporting Berwick Rangers. Well, we spoke this week about it being the anniversary of the um, 1999-2000 promotion. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I, start, I first started going to away games just with my mates and, you know, um, start away with it when you're not with your parents and stuff like that. When I was about 14, 15, 16, so Berwick had two or three really um, good, good seasons. Um, there was a season, the season before we got promoted, we only, I think we only lost two away games all season. We had this really good away record. It struggled at home and finished uh, around mid-table. Paul Smith was the manager at the time, but you could tell we were building a team that was you know, going to do something. Um, and then, obviously, we came on to the promotion season. And although we had sort of quite a slow start to the season, we were about mid-table in November, there were still signs there that you know something, something special was starting to build. We'd beat Queen of the South 4-1 at home um, and the the Challenge Cup and there was quite a few people across from Dumfries for that and I just remember there being a buzz you know like after after we left that game just being a buzz about the way Berwick had played and um, you know Martin Neal was in that team um, Craig Findlay I think scored in that game I don't know if you scored in that game Darren um, can't, can't remember uh, no a couple of missets maybe but no in that game no, <laughs> no so um, yeah it was a, it was a it was it wasn't a great start to the season I think, as I said, by um, October, November time, we'd, we'd lost as many as we'd won. And I remember we had a Sunday game against Dumbarton at Shillfield, and the fans were really on the back of Paul Smith at the time. I think there was even a banner asking him for him to go and stuff. We were, we'd, we'd started the season, we were, like, we were winning in clusters and then losing in clusters. But then that Dumbarton game, um, we got beat 1-0 at home. Um, and you know it was it was starting to look you know that's another season of Berwick so hovering around the middle of the table and doing nothing, and then we had that big game away to the league leaders at the time who were Queens Park. They actually went on to to win the league Queens Park, but despite that we went there and won four one. And I remember it was one of the first games like me and a group of my mates went up. There was about fifteen twenty of us or something on the bus, and you know um, going to the big stadium like Hamden or watch Berwick Rangers. It was but surreal with hardly anybody be, being there. You know. Like, <laughs> Five six hundred there, um, but yeah, Berwick were absolutely magnificent that day, and I'm sure Darren will talk about it. There was a, a solo goal that sort of amazed everybody that day. It's probably still to this day. It's probably the best Berwick goal I've ever seen, where you know beat five or six men and slaughtered home uh, with it being against the team that were top of the league as well. It was just brilliant, um, and I think to be honest, I think that moment kickstarted um, kickstarted the season for Berwick, and we went on uh, quite long unbeaten run in the league to be honest it didn't just kick start that season I don't think because it, it was it was like an 18 month period where Berwick were constantly on the up and um, even when we would lose games we would come back bounce back from them straight away so we had a couple of um, disappointing losses to East Fife I remember but then we would we would win the next game like 3-0 at Brecon or or, or whatever and um, we were just a really strong team at that time with a you know, bounce back ability or whatever they used to say on Soccer AM. We, we had that, you know, we had that as a team. Yeah, so you mentioned uh, our final guest um, who played in that team and he's currently a member of coaching staff. Hello, Darren Smith. Hello, how are you, Adam? You all right? Yes, I'm good, thank you. So one of the best goals that we've ever seen as supporters. Uh, what's your <laughs> memories of it? 
Can I before he before he starts here? Can I get my bit in about that goal? Because the five of them are already lying on their ass. <laughs> so I don't know where he's beating five players and scoring that beauty with the right foot because they were all lying down and he shanked it into the corner. I'm not having it. Like, man, come on, come on. I remember, like what Brian said there, I think with results, we'd been sort of inconsistent that season in terms of, like you say, we knew we could beat anybody on our day. But I think, um, I remember the lead up to that game where we sort of thought it was last chance alone to try and obviously, I'm not saying we're going to close the gap, but you know what I mean, to try and put a marker so that we could actually then try and kick on. And I remember the game, I remember the game well, like you say, five, six hundred at Queen's Park and they were flying at the time, you know what I mean? They're right. I always found back then as and it's no being disrespectful today, Kev will probably be the same as back then I was a younger boy, but to try and get in the team as a younger lad back then, it was all old, good, experienced players, if you know what I mean, within the leagues. There was very few young boys that got an opportunity to come through. If they did, they were on the bench, but it was all good pros, if you know what I mean, back then. They were big, strong, whatever it was going to be, so it was competitive. Uh, and like I say, just remember that game. We said, obviously, we had boys with ability, like Martin Neal, we Mark Anthony, um, but then we had boys with a bit of dig, like boy Lloyd Haddo, who was who went under the radar, left back, he would tackle his granny. He would like yeah. all week all week in training, he'd be like, You think to say, Oh, is he really at it? But every single game on a Saturday was at it. Granny McNichol, obviously we had Dennis Ritchie, big gas and goals. So we had a right good group of boys, eh? And like you say, after that game, winning, coming away, beating them four one and we won comfortably that day. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. like mm-hmm. um I think we just obviously kicked on that season. It was really strange because we, although Queen's Park, I think, well, they went on to win the league, but we, we beat them three times at Hamden as well, once in the Cup as well. And it was it was almost like we had the beating of Queen's Park in the games against them, but East Fife, who ended up finishing fourth and were like the dirty team and the bad guys and that, we, we, couldn't, we couldn't seem to do anything about them and they beat us every time, you know. Um, I, was, I was quite fortunate against Queen's Park there. I didn't care what it was, but I seemed to play well against Queen's Park all the time. Scored the goal at Hamden. I scored one at Mini Hamden. And I scored one at um, Berwick as well uh, against them as well. So then I don't know what it was, but like you say, unfortunately, it was good to get promoted. Obviously, we lost to it last. We still went into the last game of the season. Obviously, needed to win, and, and obviously Queens Park were going to count and beat. And I remember we scored against Montrose after two minutes. And I remember Kev will be the same when he won the he won the league. But the duck it was absolutely it was jumping. You know what I mean? It was absolutely yeah. jumping. It won the up, and then Cowden Beast went in front against Queens Park, and we thought, oh, here we go. There's something going to happen here. But I, we won the game comfortably in the end, three 0 But I think Queens Park. I don't know if it was two one or three two that they ended up beating Cowden Beast. But we still obviously the run that we went on got us into that position, and obviously we just missed out with three points. But gladly got promoted. Lloyd Haddo was Lloyd Haddo was like one of my favourite players at the time. He was such a <laughs> such a legend. He was like this cult hero. I, he scored he scored seven or eight goals that season. I know he was on the penalties as well, but I remember going across. We played Stranraer in the cup. Do you remember that one, Darren? Uh, I and, that. Yeah, there was a, there was a lot over there. We, we'd filled the bus to go over, and um, it was just it was almost like the ducket, this little stand on the the far side where it was just absolutely rammed full of Berwick fans. And I remember Lloyd Haddo scored first half and. Um, you know, came right up to where we were, and everybody was jumping about. You know, it was like, you know, it was it was like the old days of football. You know, where there's limbs flying everywhere and stuff like that. It was just, it was just uh, a great time to, to be supporting Berwick with the amount of people that went. It was an actual atmosphere. You know, going around. Uh, I mean, Stranraer that day they were the league above us. You know, so it was a it was a huge huge win 
in the in the cup, and we, we got Falkirk next. Away days were good, but Shinara used to dread because there's always one that pushed it too far. Big Kenzie or Ken, Big Gary O'Connor. The manager used to say, right, you can have a couple of beers, bring a couple of beers. Obviously, we'll stop and get something. But Big Jaja used to go that far. And he used to he used to go away to Thailand and he used to used to bring back this whiskey that used to. So he used to bring this bottle of whiskey in the bus. I'm no joking. There was boys getting off at Fair Mile Head having to get in the car. They were falling off the bus. It seemed to work because what we won 12 away games that season. I mean, how many how many teams go and win 12 away games in a season? 12 of the 18 now, you know. So if ever been out with Big Gary, obviously he's close pals with the gaffer and Big Kev Kenzer. It doesn't take no for an answer, so he's got right. Take one, take one. I'm like, I'm no one, one guys. No, you need to take one. Even <laughs> on this Thai whiskey, it was like, oh, 50 percent. Boys were falling off the bus and everything. Oh, that must have been the rocket fuel needed to. Uh, <laughs> it's funny you say that it's about about Gary because he done the he done the same in in our you know when I was here, and it was it was grappa. Oh, every single <laughs> every single bus journey, you had a bottle of grappa. And, he, and that was the case, and, and Gary was brilliant for Team Spirit, eh? and he, he was he was massive, and he kept the whole squad together. And, but that was it. It was like Daz is saying, I, d- I didn't want a grapper, Gary. You're not getting off the bus till you have a grapper, and he forced, forcefully put it in your throat. He, he done that one night. I'll tell I'll tell a quick story about my one night we'd been doing. We'd been at Morton, we're on the bus with Mark Anthony, and we we're going out with me, guys, a couple of boys out of Edinburgh. Would say. And we're going out quickly anyway. We ended up having a right night out, but Gaz was obviously the main the main driver, getting everybody drinking that right. So we're going back, and Gaz stayed at Eustace at the time. And there's me, Mark Anthony, I've got a taxi. We, Mark Anthony, I've never seen anybody so drunk in my life, right? So he goes home, we drop him off in the taxi, thinking that was the end, it dropped off. And his girlfriend at the time, Michelle, um, took him to the door, blah, blah, blah. We, Mark, he's been that drunk, right? That she's been in her bed, he's got in, he's wet the toilet, right? Sat in the toilet. Forgot to take his boxers down, right? Absolutely shot his cell on the toilet with his boxers on and jumped in the bed beside her. Started cuddling her in that. We thought I worked her out. Next again, day, she's really chucking him out the house. The mattress is out the front door. He didn't care what he was doing. Big dad's having just seen him whiskey all the way in the bus. Oh, honestly, the best thing ever. <laughs> I can't even believe he told anybody that story. <laughs> He turned up at training on Tuesday. He had been chucked out the house. She had chucked him out the house because she was going mental. The mattress was out the front door and everything. She'd been, he'd been cuddling into her and that trying to get a cuddle. She woke up in the morning. Absolute smell of shite everywhere. Unbelievable. That's brilliant. We, had, uh, we, went, we went back to Gary's and I don't know if it was, I don't know if he had had a barbecue or if he had, he had um, if it was the night that we won the league or whatever. I think it could have been the night we won the league because we ended up back at, at Gary's dad's birthday party. So we're back at Gary's house and we're running out of drink. And next minute, the airing cupboard opens up. Right? She's got the airing cupboard in the hall, opens up, and he's got these Volvic bottles, and he had been making peach wine. Right? So this peach wine come out of this house party now, and it was revolting, but it must have been 100% this peach wine that he had been brewing in the cupboard that was ringing. Uh, it, was, it was a great, like I said, that was a great team spirit. And I remember that day, Berwick quit. Once, once we got promoted, we all went in the tune after it, and then we were in the pub with the supporters, and like the place was jumping in that, like yeah, and like you say, good memories, good memories. What was um, Darren? What was the relationship like with East Fife at the time? Because from what I, like, I know we we had a couple of um, you know, big def- we had a, a big defeat up there in the midweek, a three-one 
game. Yeah. I remember their manager, Rab Shannon, and it was always rumours that they and they removed the ball boys as soon as they took the lead, and like they were they were quite a dirty team. I remember, <laughs> um, like Spider Ramsey was uh, he must be the only player to get sent off for East Fife against Berwick in the same season as getting sent off for Berwick against East Fife. So he was sent off in the same fixture for both teams in the same season. He was crazy. Aye, there was uh, when I when I played that season, there was a bit of dig with East Fife, definitely. And I know Adam had asked me about it. I think we had, I think it happened, but I'm not going to say too much. But I think they punched the door and put a dent in the door up at, up at Bayview. But then Cowdenbeath as well, Berwick and Cowdenbeath didn't like each other. It used to be, mm. I don't know if you boys were involved, but I, there were some supporters and that, and that was a bit of hatred as well. But definitely these five, I think they ransacked your dressing room once and that. And there was a bit, every game, you knew there was got to be a bit of needle, and you guaranteed to be a sending off, do you know what I mean, in terms of it. Like, but um, thankfully, we, go, we ended up getting the better of them that season, finishing well above them. Yeah, there was a lot of rivalry between the because there was three promotion spaces back then as well. There was like half the league were in, you know, in the promotion chase, and there was a lot of rival. And Calden and East Fife, I remember Craig Levine was constantly he was the manager of Calden Beef at the time, and he was constantly complaining about East Fife and the way yeah. they played, and then being sort of the the Wimbledon of the um, the Wimbledon of the division at the time. Forfar, I'm sure, had um, complaints about East Fife at the time as well. Uh, I think we were we were all right that way. We had a mixture in the team, and me and Kev have talked about even like looking forward and that. Where we had boys that were we had hardy boys, right, that could look after it, but then we had boys that could play as well. We had a decent blend, if you know what I mean. So in terms of like, you look at like Colin Campbell, like I say, Lloyd Haddo, Big Ennis, Granny, we'd all tackle mm-hmm. our Granny. Do you know what I mean? But then yeah. if you, you had Martin Neal, you had me, Mark Anthony, myself. Obviously, Davey you Watt. had uh, we David Watt. Oh, mm-hmm. we David Watt. We won Somewhere. promotion. When we won promotion that year, I remember about Magaluf five days later, we David Watt was there. And, uh, Kev McGee, remember Kev McGee? Yeah, yeah. Kev, Kev McGee never had a bank account. He just turned up with a wad of notes at the airport. No bank account or anything. Uh, Kev used to go, <laughs> he used to go to, he used to, go to Tur- he used to take the gaffer on the Wednesday. Gaffer, I'm going to be training on Thursday. Like, what do you mean? I'm going to be there. He used to go to Turkey on the Wednesday, come back on the Thursday, and then on Thursday night, he'd have the big Range Rover. He'd have the boot open and other boys would be standing at training. What you wanted, lads, selling Ken Boxer shorts? Jeans all over. <laughs> Honestly, unbelievable. Like, unbelievable. The second last. I think I'm sure we won promotion up at Albion as well, didn't we? In the second last game of the season, the the nil nil draw. But it was a bit. Um, it was a bit of a downer because uh, Paul Patterson, PP broke. Uh, did he break his leg or? I broke his leg, a bad one, and then obviously we knew going it. We know winning that day it made it difficult for us but, mm. to try and win it. But we had a, obviously we had the opportunity going to the last game. We had to take care of ourselves, which we did. But mm. uh, it was a uh, what a season like on yeah. on and off the on and off the park. Eh? Like probably like when Kev won the league as well. Yeah. Teams, Brought in that everybody in it together, it was brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, I remember Gary O on the sidelines wanting to, like, obviously, he was the sub keeper. And I remind him, remember him arguing with Paul Smith, we wanting to come on as the outfield outfield player towards the end of the game. And all the fans was like, let him on, let him on. You know, we'd, all, we'd already knew we were promoted, so <laughs> but it was like a no, and like, oh, Gary was in a huff. <laughs> yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Probably goes back to Andrew's point earlier and, and what you're talking about in goalkeepers. <laughs> There's a little, a little known fact to Adam that uh, goalkeepers are actually better finishers than strikers. Big Gaz wasn't a good finisher, trust me. Big 
it was great that it, car- it carried on until the next season as well. That, that's why I'm saying it was a, like a brilliant 18 months, despite getting promoted and despite having like stronger opposition, like Park Thistle and teams like that in the league above. You know, it, it's almost like it just carried on. You know, it, that that's that next season we drew we drew at home with Hearts and we won the lap away. You know, in the Scottish Cup at half time, or it was like unbelievable. You know, that, that Barry Elliott goal. Um, Barry Elliott won now, and you thought here we go, and then they brought Wanjo on, and I think he scored two. Mm-hmm. We end up going out, we end up getting beaten extra time, right? But mm-hmm. uh, it was um, like you said, I think the momentum took us into that where we went in and weren't feared to anybody. Do you know what I mean? We played Partick yeah. in the south. Uh, and it's like you say, if you've got a team spirit and you've got a bit of togetherness, it's, uh, it's crazy what it can do, right? Yeah, definitely. I, 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 Hearts had some really good players back then as well. I was looking at the team. Mickey Cameron played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because it, it, it wasn't that long since they'd, you know, it was only two or three years since they'd won the Scottish Cup themselves. And, you know, that was, it was a real shock that, um, you know, so like, you're saying players like Mark Anthony and stuff, like all the skill in the world, you know, some. You know, I, I was saying before we 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 come onto this uh, call, like the, I remember more games around that period than I remember in the past few years. You know, just because there was a lot of memorable games and a lot of big rivalries. You know, there would there would be times where you know the the away end in the ducket would be, you know, uh, they would have lo- loads of away, away fans coming up from like, Cowden Beef, Clyde Bank, um, Queen of the South, and you know songs back and forward. It was like a real atmosphere. Sometimes attention in the air, which you you, you enjoy and. And football, and it was uh, it was a, it, it was it was my favourite time. Like uh, because of the age I was at the time, 16, 17, 18, you know, around them years, it was my favourite time following following Berwick. Uh, I love the championship. We, uh, Lee Mark Anthony's probably one of the most gifted players I've played with in terms of like, ability. And he came for Celtic, obviously. And if you've been in that background, he came in, mm. and I remember he came in, and we were doing me, me and him were sort of doing well at the time, and there was talk about getting a move. I know Queen of South put a bid in for me, never got accepted, stuff like that. And we ended up going doing for a week's trial at Huddersfield because Steve Bruce was the manager. Yeah, I was nervous, totally nervous, because obviously I would just be. He was totally like I didn't bother him because he came for Celtic. I remember <laughs> straight in. Training with the first team and that, and had boys like Marcus Stewart and the boy Clive Winyard, the boy Grant Johnson of Dundee United was there, and they had a boy, a captain boy, a boy Kenny, Kenny at thing. And I remember we were doing a Toro, first bit of training, Toro, straight in, boom, captain goes to get the ball, and it's a short pass, and we Mark Anthony makes him. We do a word to lie, makes him. And then for the rest of the thing, I was like, what are we doing here? Boys were doing us the daggers, the lot, and it was, it was just like, totally, I'm no bored, just give me the ball. And I was totally like, what are we doing here? The boys don't want to kill us. We don't want to be in the minutes. He's made the club captain, genuinely. They're playing the championship. I'm like, total brass, total didn't care or anything. Like, I'll take the ball and I'll make I was like, oh no, we've got to kill, we've got to kill to him. <laughs> But he wasn't. He wasn't the only one that's like Martin Neal as well. Was some player like he was. He was playing well <laughs> below where he should have been playing. Like just controlling midfields, and you know, for, for years he was Berwick's, You know, the best midfielder in the division. Brilliant. Aye, Martin was brilliant. Martin was brilliant for me as well because when I came in, obviously being younger than that, and he was just totally like he was. I can maybe it's not the best thing to say. Martin Neal putting your arm in you came. I mean, but he was he was he was brilliant with me, and he just he was like one there keep me keep me going, and he just give you the ball as well. Do you know what I mean? But ah, uh, he was Martin could have played. Obviously, we all know Dundee United, but Martin could easily have played at a higher level. No problem at all. Well, you mentioned another good player as well, Barry Elliott. Barry Elliott was good, it's unbelievable as well. I don't know. Like, I, but the goal he scored against Hearts, and but he came into us as well, and he was. But, Every opportunity to go, big man, like you say, he was he would at least hit the target. Do you know what I mean? He was he was he was brilliant when he came. He was strong as well. 
Uh, and that's what I'm saying. We had right good players back then. Like, right, I know that I talk about money and stuff like that as well. And we had boys coming to Glasgow. I get all that. But at the same time, we had a right good experienced squad. Do you know what I mean? Barry had Champions League experience, didn't he? He, he got in the he got in the part for Celtic in the Champions League. Aye. Um, imagine getting that calibre of player nowadays. I mean, you know what I mean? With, with that experience, it's it's not easy. No, I mean, in no. the promotion season as well, like we, we signed um, Neil Oliver, obviously, like with, you know, two or three months of the season to go, and he was vastly experienced, you know, he played in England, he's been in a Scottish Cup final and stuff like that, so when, you, when you're coming down the line and, you know, it's, um, you know, pro, you know you, there's a chance that you could get promotion, I think, you know, bringing in an experience like that can only, can only help, surely. Aye, aye, I know, I know, oh, definitely. How did he celebrate that season, Darren? Like I said, five days later, we're in Magaluf, and for some reason, I don't know how, it was a player's trip to Magaluf, but somehow Jamie Curl, the chairman, and his wife ended up with us on the plane. He was <laughs> that doesn't there, surprise me at all. I <laughs> sitting there, we'd landed five hours, sitting in the pub, and we, David Watt, was diving through windies and everything, like, hey, oh my God, <laughs> I'm talking about, I thought, you get what it's like if you go away for the weekend, now big man Kev, you maybe go for two, three days, we went for seven days, seven days to Magaluf. <laughs> Kev McGee was in his bed for three days because Kev suffered with diabetes. He came to the pool. Nene used to to check on me. I was like, that could have been deep. Honestly, it was, uh, it was good times, though. Right, good times. But I don't know, like I say, he, Jamie, managed to wangle his sailor trip as well. Like, uh, I remember, Jamie, uh, I remember we, 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 towards the end of the season in uh, what's, what's now League One, we had Sterling Albion away and around. We'd stopped at a pub, the bus had stopped at a pub on the way up to Sterling and I think the directors must have been there as well. And I remember Jamie coming on the coming on the bus, I don't know if he had a drink or, or wherever, and he was like, I'm going to be the first chairman to take Berwick up in two successive years. And it was like, come on, Jamie, wait. <laughs> he was some character. Nah, good, good. Yeah, it was good. Like, like I say, my goal for seven days, and then I get took about three months to recover after that. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for yourself, Darren, you're back at the club now. How has it been back involved? I, um, obviously... I'd been, a, been away a while and um, obviously played away and then obviously started to, my career started to come to an end senior-wise, played junior and then obviously when I got the opportunity we, we, to help um, um, the gaffer and Kev, obviously spoke to them and for me it was a, a no-brainer getting the opportunity to come back, do you know what I mean? It's a club where I started and obviously I never thought I'd get the chance to, never mind come back, but obviously even get on the park again, put a Berwick strip on it, so it was, uh, I was never, never going to turn it down, do you know what I mean? And score another score for your right. Well, to be fair, that goal, that goal against Gretna, I'll get it, wasn't it the best? But the, never mind the goal, the funniest, the funniest reaction was when I scored it and I looked to the dug and you and the gaffer were standing laughing. We couldn't quite believe what we had seen. I don't know, I must have been desperate having to put me on, I'll tell you, and I'll be like, I guess, I, did I not say something to you about, I'll get a goal or something like that, big man, eh? You said that, you're going to score, aye. But it was, uh, it was just the reaction of Kevin, that when I looked through, they were standing laughing, like, yeah, so that tells you everything, but that was, uh, it was like I say, brilliant, brilliant to get back on the park, but to score a goal as well, it was, uh, I never thought, like I said, somebody had told me that it was so many years since my last goal for Berwick, so it was, uh, it was, it was a good feeling, like... I think it was. I think it was Andrew. I think Andrew had sort of said that it had been the, the longest break between one player scoring two Berwick goals. Aye, I think you were right, big man. You, Andrew. No, it, it, it must have been something else. I'm, I'm, I'm no a statistician, I've got to say. Maybe it would have been some somebody on the then board. I'm sure it might have been Colin Pike or John, perhaps. Aye, Colin it, was, Pikey. it was definitely something for the board. I remember. Aye, like. aye. 
Great, like, great day though. That will be my last anyway. That will be my last. But I've just been training, so nature has never dealt with it. Never, never say never dies. Are you continuing playing next year? That's a tough question. I, I, to be fair, I know big man's shaking his head right away. Look at him. That's terrible. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, nah, I, I know. I know my role. Like in terms of just trying to, like Kev, okay, trying to help the help the boys that we've got there. We've got a lot of younger lads as well. Um, I'll register as a player, but my game time will be limited um, in terms of I, if, if needed, if we're low numbers or whatever, I can go in for a bit and try and keep the ball hands up. But in terms of match or role, my playing side's obviously well and truly coming to an end now. Do you know what I mean? So you just got to accept that and obviously look to try and help the players that we've got, obviously between the three of us, training, stuff like that as well. Um, I try be I try be the good guy. I like Kev the other Ken. Kev's the one that goes mental in the dressing room. I'm the I'm the good copy. I'll go put my arm around them. I say, "What's that? I say, "Having that? You're alright." Let the big man come with that. But I guess for you, Kev, that that experience is is vital. You've got a a guy that's playing the Scottish Cup semi final. A guy that Alan Maitland called the best part time player in Scotland. Um, that experience must be really important and helpful to the rest of the boys. I had to pay him for it to say that, I'm telling you. I had to pay him. <laughs> was Alan Maitland drunk? Yeah, I, mean, I think he was. Like, I'd mean, be, be doing the tiles like definitely. <laughs> nah, in, the, in a serious note, that, and that was a massive part that, that Yano and I had spoke about is, is getting Darren into the club was because the, the benefit of having Darren in a training session is massive. Um, if we can put, we can put Darren right in the middle of a possession box where... 15 players and Darren can control that possession box within it um, and he can talk and he can help and he can guide and he can tell people what they're doing wrong um, and praise people what they're doing right, you know what I mean? And it's harder when we're standing on the side of your possession box, you're, you're kind of trying to take everything in but if Darren's involved then he's got a, a closer view and, and he can get himself into positions where he should be receiving the ball and he's not getting a ball so he can tell somebody, you know what I mean, that, that was the wrong option. Or So it was a massive benefit for us um, being able to put Darren into a session and, but he's getting lazier and lazier. He's stopped doing the running now. He's just dropping in for the shooting and all that. If, if, if I may, as you know, you boys know, I came to see one of your training sessions uh, during the season. And you mentioned, Kevin, the, on the last call about the uh, possession drill that you, you, Darren Richard Walker and Yano did. And uh, you know, we just told you were there that night, weren't you? I was, aye, aye. But you know what? What I saw is exactly what you're you're talking about. Is uh, you've got you've got you've got four experienced players, kind of role modelling, and not just not just giving coaching points, actually showing boys how you keep possession what, what the movement should look like I thought it was it was great to watch I've got to say I think you as a group have, have different things to bring the three of you and uh, I, I think you work really well together I, I really enjoyed it it was good we keep trying to organise a, a five a side team because we meet as Yano Rich we're all going to get together and I think we'll beat the team I think we'll be alright five a side tournament we'll let them pick their best five against us I think we'd win that. <laughs> you, you want an old fat goalie <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> nah, you're right. We'll go with we'll go with you. You're right. <laughs> Back your hand. Oh, okay. we've got Bev. Bev can fill in. Absolutely. <laughs> so, touch on earlier Derek Ray's announcement as a, an ambassador for the club. So, Nathan Thompson, through knowing someone uh, through Wick, he managed to get in touch with Derek Ray. So, he did some voiceover work 
for the club. Uh, he's done the voiceover for this podcast as an example. Um, do you think it's important to have people like that involved, Andrew? Oh, hugely. Uh, you know, not not just because he's a well-known face. It's, it's it, what he brings is is uh, is commercial football intelligence as well. So, you know, behind actually doing voiceovers and stuff is, as I say, his network of stakeholders. He's reaching out so people see Derry involved, all his connections on Twitter and Facebook see him and suddenly the spread of what good things the club are doing just goes goes far and wide. So, yeah, vitally important. And uh, when I've not met Derek, I don't, don't know him at all, but I'm sure everybody's seen the same thing. What, what a really nice guy he is and he just seems so sincere. But... Uh, it, it, it was funny that the, the, the night after uh, it was announced, uh, Stuart was playing FIFA, and of course, who does the voiceover in FIFA? <laughs> you know, it's just it's tremendous. What's your thoughts on it, Bry? Yeah, I think it's it's really positive. I think all the, to be honest, all the social media stuff has been really, really good since uh, you know um, since the turn of the year. I think um, getting a, getting quite a few of the the younger fans involved that have um, special expertise they've they've done that kind of thing um, you know sometimes in the day jobs sometimes when they've been to university to do it and things and you can really see the um, you know the difference but it, for you, you look at um, you know it's better than some Premier League clubs at the moment you know we're getting more information out there you look at Newcastle at the moment and you know they furloughed their staff that was streaming the matches on the Saturday afternoon and things like that and. There's nothing coming out on Newcastle United at the minute. They're a Premier League club 60 miles down the road. And, um, you know, you, you look at what, what we're doing and what um, people like Dale Jones and, you know, um, Nathan and um, Martin Ingalls and, and people like that are able to do. Um, but you, you don't see it a lot of clubs, you know. It's, a, it's very professional and it's... It, uh, there's a lot of, you, you see like a lot of people that are a little bit more old school and they don't really... Sometimes they don't really see the benefit of that kind of thing, but... Really, in this day and age, the, the that kind of thing that can bring sponsors in and can you know cr- grow an interest, get more people looking at the club shop, just growing the club overall. It's 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 really important. And I'd like to think you know um, players see that kind of thing as well, and like they might you know as well as the money that they'll get for playing football, they say, well, that's a really good club to 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 play for. They've got a good reputation. They've got a good outward looking image, and um, surely it can only help. Um, but no, I think it's been really impressive, and credit to credit to the people um, you know that are able to put that kind of stuff together. I couldn't do that myself, but you know, it, the 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 whole the the good thing about um, what's happening, I think you know, people are letting the people are letting the people that have that expertise do what they're good at, um, which I think is very important. That you know, it's not some kind of central control where it's like you know. Well, well, you only do this this way. It's like you know, Woody thinks good, and then they'll come and produce the the content and stuff like that. So, no, I'm really impressed. And to follow on from what you're saying, in in terms of sponsorship, Dale's been working on the commercial brochure that came out this week too. Um, so I don't know whether you, if you had a chance to to read through that, Andrew, I'd imagine, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, incredibly professional. It, it really is. I mean, you know, interesting what you, you were saying earlier, Brian, about the you know the, the increased reach that the supporters club has uh, because you've you've effectively gone gone digital, and that's a bit that really excites me. I, I have to say is is the potential that, that we've got because we're we're growing our growing our reach so much as as uh, potential for digital streaming. You know, supporters as as we all know are not just people in Berwick. I mean, Brian, you'll yeah. have you'll have members all all over the world who want to engage, want to see Berwick play. 
you know, so there's a potential for digital streaming of, obviously we can't stream live matches during uh, between kind of three o'clock and five o'clock at the moment, but who knows, with lockdown, that, that might change. And uh, there's a bit of work going on there. And I, and I think we're very, very well placed to, to be sharing more of what we do uh, and, you know, pre-match, match, post-match stuff uh, with, our, uh, with our virtual fans. This is just uh, massively exciting. I totally agree. I think although this coronavirus is a terrible thing, um, as you mentioned before, sort of one sort of positive that has come out of it, it's sort of forced people into the future, if you know what I mean. And yeah, people use technology in, in, in different ways that that was always there for the past year or two, but maybe hasn't been utilised as much as what it could have been, which mm. this coronavirus is sort of, led people it sort of forced people into a different way of working and that's as you were mentioning before with um, your conversations with directors and stuff rather than waiting for the next match or the next board meeting or something like that you're able to exchange ideas um you know every day you know i can imagine dave will be on something's two o'clock in the morning sending you stuff i can just imagine um but, but yes there's, there's a few emails you know, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's so positive the different way of working and i think um the, the way that, you know, Dale and Martin and Nathan and people like that have got involved and improved the social media side and the digital side um, earlier in the year, it's come along just probably at the right times, you know, sort of the stars have aligned, if you know what I mean, for, uh, for that totally. way of working yeah. and for going forward. And I'm sure the playing side, you know, you're able to to, um, to find out what different players are doing, share training tips and stuff like that, whereas, you know, um, I know this kind of thing has never really happened before, but... You, you were able to stay in touch with the players a lot more than what you know you would have been. Say this had been five years ago. It's the same as we're in a good position now. Um, Daz will agree that we're having our weekly, or sometimes twice a week, we're having a meeting amongst ourselves um, on the on the Zoom and whatever. And and that's just easing the fact that we can't meet up on a Tuesday and Thursday and discuss what we need to discuss. Um, you know, and yeah. each and every one of us will talk to players. Um, individually whether it be current players or players that were, were trying to sign or so the, these zoom meetings have given us a chance to, to catch up and go over what we need to go over as well so that like you, like you said Brian it's it's a horrible time but there's it's brought everyone up you know and electronically and, and a better way or not a better way but another way of working and solving problems. Have you seen the new strip Darren? I have, aye, aye. We've been, um, obviously, seen them on the chats and that as well. So, aye, I said that. I said, just in case I do manage to go on the bench and that, I said, just make sure number 19's a medium. That's what I said. <laughs> so, uh, that looking good. Aye, everyone's looking, like I said, it's, it's off the park. Everything's positive in terms of everybody pulling the right direction together and things like that. And obviously, we're trying to work hard. Obviously, it's it's no, it's no secret with the regards to budget cuts and things like that as well, but it's your job to just make sure, like say, well, nobody come out and say, oh, you've got to win the league, you've got to do that. Do you know what I mean? We just got to try and progress year on year and try and make sure that we get better, try and bring better quality to the club um, and just make sure we're competitive. Do you know what I mean? Last year, there's a lot of games when I came in and that and spoke to Kev and that, my chance, like, it's just consistency. Consistency where we've been up and doing, like what you talked about previous seasons, Brian, about when I was playing as well. Like we went to Stirling Uni, big man member, and we should have won the game and we end up switching off for two minutes, lose a free kick. Eight, eight, score, eight, eight. It was the only time they went an hour half. 
the whole game. Yeah. Uh, the whole of the second half, sorry. Get, get B1 now. There's been games where even I played in where, again, it's no ideal conditions in that bit. There's nothing in the game. You're 1-1 one, one at half time. We still won. And I know that individual mistakes, you end up getting pumped 5-1. But it's no the fact that, didn't get me wrong, they've got experience. We get that. But how can you go 1-1 one, one and compete? And then 5-1, there's just a, we've got to make sure that we can get levels of consistency through the team up to, because we're young boys, it always happens where one week there'll be an 8, 9, 10, next week there'll be a 2. Do you know what I'm trying to say? But we need to try and get the team to get to a level of consistency. And we've got no doubt we'll compete. We'll totally compete. Will we lose games? Of course we will. But we've just got to make sure that we do compete. We're realistic to what we want to do. We're not going to come out and say oh, we're going to win the league. And then if we can progress year on year and get better and get, get better, you never know what's going to happen. But you've got to be realistic with teams like Glasgow, BC, Bonnerig, me and Kevin, like Daft, we've seen these teams. They've been together for years. Do you know what I mean? They've developed a team together for years. We're obviously just, obviously the manager had a right tough time last year having to pull a team together last minute. So it's up to us now. And that's the, that's the work that we're doing now. I we might not have as much money, but we're trying to get people to come to Berwick for the right reasons because it is still a big club. It is still a big club. Things are going in the right direction, and if people can see the posit- positivity out with the playing side and what the club's doing, it's only going to benefit me and Kevin and Yano having these conversations, trying to get people to come. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's uh, it's just about being realistic. But like you say, as long as we're competitive and we can try and be a bit more consistent, we will compete. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. But um, hopefully, hopefully we can get 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 the right sort of player in and obviously build on what we'll, the boys that we've already kept and. Like I say, have a have a have a competitive season, definitely. How's recruitment going, is, Kevin? We're not any further forward um, regarding players that that were at the club. We're still waiting on a couple of, a couple of answers. Um, Jan will be dealing with that today. I think he's got a couple of phone calls to make today. We've had uh, a couple of players out with the club who's agreed to join. So we're. We're all right. We're starting to build a we're starting to build a squad. I think Daz and I we spoke last night. Daz, but I reckon if we, if we get the ones that we've offered contracts to, then we're probably still only three players away. Yeah, if we fill in a squad, uh, three so, players like and 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 everybody knows it's nice secret with the budget we've got. You've got to wait up because you could say, for instance, you could go and fill your squad with thirty players and give them less money. This is the reality, right? And you might not have the quality, yeah. or you can have try and carry a tighter knit squad and mix it so you've got obviously add a bit of quality which you've already kept if you've kept Kevin Moore and boys like that which are good and I think that the good thing for your point of view is Kev says at least this year we've got a core we've got a core yeah. of boys that we've got there and we just try, need to try and build around it do you know what I mean in terms I of um, we've put like I say we've put some offers out there we've me, Kevin, and the gaffer have these charts every week and identify positions and players that we, we want. But the reality is you might not get them all, so you've got to try and keep your options open. And I think the big thing that we're finding as well is a lot of senior clubs are now haven't even spoke to their players in terms of what they're doing for next year. So you don't know who's going to come available as well. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying that we're going to be able to, but you don't know who's going to come available or what the situation is. So it's uh, we've got a core and we're working on it and we've just got to continue to make sure we try and try and get a, a better quality player in so that we can, like I say, push on. Sorry, Andrew, I think you were going to say something before and I cut you off again. Yeah, I was, I was, I was just going to ask uh, Dan and Kev what, their, what their, their views are about... Uh, you know, there's, there's, Conversations always ongoing about about grassroots development in the in the town and the and, and the county, and uh, there's a there's a fair bit of work going on behind the scenes, as as I'm sure you know about uh, 
creating a, a foundation in, in Berwick and Berwickshire, and, and effectively just being a, a place for, for youngsters to come and come and play football and develop and grow. And the question really was how you felt about uh, players, you guys, including, of course, uh, be, being involved in coaching youngsters in, in Berwick, you know, getting involved in the community schools, you know, uh, training sessions, that kind of thing. Is that something that, that you would like to do? Would you see your players maybe even doing badges, even, even some of the youngsters? Something that I think every single community needs is a community club, and mm. and like regarding like the you know the Berwick juniors that are there now, realistically, mm. they're they're really not going to affect me at, at a first team level because they're no, no. years and years and years and years down the line before they hit a first team. But mm-hmm. I do think that every single community should have it. Um, where I live, they've got one. They've got a, they've developed a a community club over the last five or six years that that had zero members and they're, they're now in the hundreds um, and that's going to benefit the club in the long run so I think it's I think it's vitally important that that we can get that link with the Berwick Juniors mm. again and and it'll benefit the club later on down the line but regarding the coaching I, you know if it's if it's going to benefit the club and benefit the, the kids that are going to take a session every now and then then I'll do it um, and regarding the players, I think the players are, there's a few players that are quite keen. I think Kevin Waugh already mm. takes a team. Um, Kevin, was a coach, uh, Kevin was a coach already and I think he takes a team on a Sunday. Um, so I'd imagine there are players that that are interested, you know, in that side. Um, and they'll look to do their badges and develop. And I think that if I had done a coaching course while I played, it probably would have made me a better player. I probably would have had a better understanding of the game. Um, and so I think it would be good if players took a course or took a couple of courses or developed their coaching skills now and it gives you a better insight to the actual game you're playing. No, I couldn't no, agree with you more, Kev. Yeah. I, I agree with you. And from my point of view as well, as I know that we've not got that network or we've not got that service where we've got age groups, like you say, that go for 14s up to what it was going to be. But when I, I came through playing with Berwick 18s, eh, sorry, Berwick mm. 17s, or that, I played like, I used to play at Shieldfield on a Sunday or what it was going to be, and I played there, and then eventually I go, obviously, into the first team through that, through that, obviously, eh, pathway. Yeah, I know we've not got that, but the reality is, like you say, there's a lot of teams that do have that pathway and things like that. And like you say, that's a million miles away, Kev. Like you say before, somebody will get to that first team level. But I think I totally agree with you. It's something that obviously I think every club should have. Thanks, boys. Is there any other questions that you've got for each other or anything else that you want to know? Well, that can think I can of. If Andrew's, if Andrew's pants <laughs> matches that. Just a onesie. Just the shorts <laughs> at the bottom. <laughs> There, there was a strong suggestion, Kev. I think it was Adam mentioned that that, that, that you, myself, uh, Cough, and uh, Ricky Miller all save the all, all go to the same outfit. Or it's something that's slim fit tailors, is it? I think that wasn't that's me. Right. <laughs> that's the one. First of all, Wolf. Yeah. Yeah, bad man. <laughs> I missed that. Lucky, I missed that. I'm not saying I'm bad about you, big man. You can. Nah, I can't. I'm that daft. You can. I'm hoping Kappa didn't make tents this year so I can get a coat on. Kev, ever tell you, Adam, when we played, Kev was assistant manager at Churette, right? And I was at Dalkeith. And we were playing up at Dalkeith. And there was a scuffle on the park, right? Between a Dalkeith. 
and I'll keep playing a tramp player. And I've, for some reason, I don't know why, but I've went on the park to try and separate. I've looked around. Who's coming towards me? The big man's coming towards me. He's in the opposite dugout. I'm telling you, I was out of there like, I was there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. What is it, Kevin? You just misunderstood, aren't you? Very misunderstood, yeah. <laughs> People just see the biggest guy and think he's an aggressor and it's not always the case. No, it isn't a big man. No, but when you lose it, you lose it, let's be honest. <laughs> I need to change my tactic a wee bit, I think. <laughs> nah, I don't I didn't think you need. I don't The thing is, though, whatever, it's something it does, no matter what level, I maybe know the kids, but that's what, well, when we were growing up, Kev, that's what you were used to. I've seen big John Clark have Grant McNichol up with a throat against doing it Dumbarton once. Grant, his feet weren't even touching the ground. Big Clarky had them right up and against the wall now, because boys were like, oh, but that's what, like I say, I'm not saying that, but I think you still need, if boys can't, if you can't take criticism from supporters, for management or whatever, you're in the wrong game, because that's what football is all about, do you know what I mean? I remember tough times doing it at Berwick, where if you're only having a good game, the duck it were on your back and that, and you're doing that left-hand side on your own, it's not the best, do you know what I mean? But, <laughs> You've got, you've got to have thick skin and you've got to get on with it and that's what it's all about. People pay their money, people are entitled to their opinion, so you've got to, ah, you've got to be thick skinned, eh? Can you remember any any of that, like any abuse that might have been thrown at you from the dugger? Ah, obviously, I, of course, even even I thought I'd done well for a bit. There's still good times where if you weren't having a good game and it could, it, it sort of makes you, I'm not saying there was thousands of fans there, do you know what I mean? But the reality is, if you're not doing well, I think that any club or any level, as long as you're showing a bit of commitment and putting 100% in, you're going to make mistakes. Eh? Do you know, and the level we did, you will get that. Eh? But um, aye, a couple of times I remember always thinking, I said, oh my God, they're on my back here. Like, hey, what am I going to do? Eh? That's, the, that's the worst bit, Daz. Eh? When, when you're in a ground and there's only a couple of hundred folk and you hear the individual shouts, then you, then you hear it. Eh? So get Smith, Daz. Get Smith. Get Smith off, he's murder. I'm like, oh, here we go. Champion, well, thank you very much, everyone. Thanks, Adam. Great stuff. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Adam. Really appreciate it, guys. Really enjoyed that, guys. Thank you. Take care. And thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with an episode looking at the Player of the Year Awards for last season. If you've enjoyed the episode today, please share it with your friends, family, and followers. But in the meantime, stay safe. We'll see you next week.